It's Wednesday, the 5th of October, 2016. I am Robin Yellow, and this is Tectasm episode 31, Google Doesn't Launch Andromeda. Well, with me again, because nobody is as slim, is Mr. James Woodhull. Mr. Yellow, good evening. How are you, sir? I'm very, very good, thank you. Very good. It's, um, it's very nice here in my little office. I just thought I'd tell you that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And you recovered from your uh, American trip? I, I, yeah, I think so. I think I've learnt that I cannot eat everything in sight. <laughs> yes, that's right. There will be consequences. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, James, this week we're going to be looking at Google's lack of an announcement on Andromeda, uh, more woes for Samsung, and that Google announcement yesterday in New York. Well, we'll be judging these stories and a couple of others to tell you if they are a tech-tasm, which is a blend of tech for technology and tasm for phantasm, something existing only in a person's mind. So without further droning, let's get on with the show. Recode reported on Monday that Google was going to launch an operating system on the Tuesday called Andromeda. And this operating system was expected to bring some of the desktop-like capabilities of Chrome into Android to form a super OS that could complete, compete directly with Microsoft Windows and Mac OS. And so on the evening of Tuesday, the 4th of October, it didn't happen. I was expecting a new operating system with multimodal windowing, a file system, and all the other accoutrement of a desktop operating system, and it never came. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, James, that this thing is going to happen, but I think when it is announced finally, uh, this transition to this new OS could, new OS could take, take years, and that could potentially cause confusion and concern for end users. Well, don't you think? Yeah, look, they've proven that they can put uh, the Play Store on Chrome OS. So uh, why they can't do that with Andromeda, I don't know, which gives them a complete app ecosystem. So um, maybe it's not going to be as painful transition um, as it might be. But I need to ask the question, why? I mean, Chrome OS is a good operating system, and now that it's got apps, that's brilliant. Android is a good operating system, great. They're both based on Linux, so they're pretty much the same thing anyway. What? Why do they need a new one? Well, that's a good question, actually. And I suppose two things occur to me. One, perhaps they want to have a single code set to go from IoT to the desktop. Because remember, they're they're not so big in IoT and they're not so, they're non-existent in desktop. And those are two areas potentially where a new kernel designed from the ground up could cope. I mean, let's not forget here the Linux kernel is what twenty five years old. Um, and secondly, I suppose their recent experiences that we've reported on this show, James, about being sued by Oracle over IP infringements and also due to the fact that uh, Microsoft take $5 off Samsung and uh, HTC and LG and anyone else that sells uh, an Android phone they can get their lawyers into uh, for potential IP infringements. Okay, um, so two, two the Android. On that, though. I mean, yeah, go on. Uh, Microsoft take royalties not through any code infringement, okay? Microsoft don't really have any code in Android, right? Point number one. Um, and, but going back to the point you meant about IoT, an IoT operating system and a desktop operating system 
are completely different beasts and have different priorities. So making a unified OS, I don't, uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, that's true. All right. So I threw in IoT and I threw in desktop because that's what I wanted to see. But I would say this, and a lot of people have reported on this already, but if you look at the word Andromeda, it's a combination. If you combine Android and Chrome, Androme, Andromeda, you combine the two together. So, you know, maybe it is just to combine the Chrome OS laptop and Android and not do anything else more complicated. But again, as you said, I was trying to answer your question. Why have a third one? Why not stick with what you've got? I mean, yes, there's an argument for simplification, one code set. But two, aren't they a bit wary and weary of all these IP lawsuits that they've been getting into? Yeah, but they don't get into them from the Linux operating system. Okay, well, there was Java, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, Oracle yeah, it was, yeah with Java. Oracle, it was Java, and Linux runs whatever programming language you want. I mean, Microsoft have open-sourced um, the .NET runtime, so they can have an entire OS built on C-sharp if they want, and Microsoft can't come after them. Um, what, uh, what, what I don't understand, though, is if they're building it from the ground up, including the kernel, that is a big deal. I mean, I can't... There, there have been no OSs. The most modern OS at the moment is, believe it or not, Windows NT, and that was from 1993. So, you know, what? because, of course, OS X is built on BSD. That goes back to the 80s. Linux is 91, around then. Windows NT, 93, 94. These things, they take a damn long time to get right. Well, here's another way of looking at it. Perhaps it's marketing. Perhaps Google is looking for something fresh and new to focus its uh, highly paid and highly talented workforce on. And now, because of its announcement from Tuesday with all these new devices, um, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, it maybe wants uh, to, to pick the perfect time to play an OS into its its own branded devices, whereas before it was effectively giving an OS away to lots of phone manufacturers. Maybe the future for Google is to say, well, actually, we make everything with our own stuff. Well, I guess I guess we need to see. I mean, I, to me, it doesn't make too, too much sense. It's the perfect tech-tasm question. Um, building your own operating system from the ground up, because an OS, you know, it's like an iceberg. 90% of it is beneath the water, and you're reinventing the wheel. I mean... You know, maybe you can extract half a percent of power increase over the Linux kernel. I mean, who cares? So, um, yeah, but then Microsoft cockily said back in uh, early noughties they weren't going to develop IE any further because IE6 was perfect, it couldn't be improved. And look, look what happened to that market. Oh, yeah, sure. But come on, a web browser and the operating system are completely different beasts. Yeah, I get that. But then Chrome OS is a web browser on top of it with just enough operating system underneath yeah, it. Yeah, no, but it's it? Linux. I mean, Christ, you've got 20 years of development or whatever it is, um, you know, behind it already to do things like power management and, you know, USB drivers and all the kind of crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, if I quickly Google how many lines of code are in lines of code in Linux, see, quick typing... I mean, you know, we're looking at 13 million lines of code. That's just the kernel. Sorry, 15 million lines of code in 2011. So it's more now, I'm guessing. Now, it just seems it seems ridiculous to me. That's a hell of a lot of lines of code. That is, and that's right. just the kernel. 
That's not the file system. That's not the shell. That's not any apps or the SDK or whatever else. Okay, so I want to see it, but actually what I'm saying is I want to see Android and Chrome OS merged uh, into a... What I want is Android on the desktop. I want to access the Android ecosystem. But then, as you said, they've just delivered that, haven't they, on the Acer R11, and they just announced today that the Canary channel for Chrome OS is giving um, Google Play support to another raft of uh, Chrome OS devices. Yeah, so what exactly are you looking for? I mean, you've got apps... Android apps and the entire app ecosystem running on a desktop PC. I mean, where where do you need to go from here that's somehow magically different? That requires- I just wonder if they've looked at Microsoft and thought, actually, maybe the, the folks at Microsoft got it right when they said, you know, one operating system to rule them all. Um, um, they couldn't quite deliver on that, obviously, because Windows Mobile is effectively dead. Um, but, you know, as a goal, maybe it appeals to them. I don't know. Well, they didn't launch it, did they? Well... Who knows, but I don't know. The, the Windows kernel's great, but then I'm a bit of a fanboy, so hey. Okay, call it, James. Uh, clearly a tectasm. This is tectasm. This is, this is tectasm squared. Okay, you heard it first. Okay, well, can we move on very, very, very quickly? Um, a, interesting story. This one kind of won't be put out. Uh-huh, there you go. Um, in Mac rumors, Judy Clover has written that there's been a fire on a plane with a Samsung Galaxy Note 7. I know, yawn, yawn, we've all heard this before, except this is the replacement safe version of the phone. Of course, Samsung issued a worldwide recall of the Note 7s. They've been slowly handing new ones out, which don't have the battery deficiency. But unfortunately, a few days ago... um. One caught fire on a plane. This is this is ultra fresh news. This is less than an hour old. Yeah, exactly. From, uh, See, Tectasm, we're on it. We're on the button. <laughs> we're usually not, but we are today. Exactly. See, you know, what one day late, but we've got some. So let me, let me just be clear about this, James. When um, Samsung recalled the Note Seven. Uh, they recalled all two and a half million of them, or all that were at risk, yes. which was a significant number at cost of billions of dollars, to then re- to then offer replacements, which started rolling out a week or two ago, with safe versions, which had been which had obviously had their battery design checked and verified, and these were safe phones yep. that that had been rolled out, and the one that's just gone off. Is has been deemed safe, i.e., it is a replacement phone. Is that, so is that what you said? So, according to Verge, which the Mac Rumor story came from, um, the uh, <clears throat> um, the gentleman involved, Brian Green, went into an AT and T store, which is, I guess, a US cell carrier, um, on the twenty first of September to pick up the replacement, and confirms that it contains the right markings on the box to indicate that it was a replacement safe phone yeah so he claims that the phone was about 80 percent of battery and um, he was using a wireless charger he's only used a wireless charger since receiving the device right so um this is um this is really really scary for samsung i mean you know apple of course um were rumored to be increasing their production volume because the first round of note 7s had problems and that's the rumors or the sentiment was that people would be moving more to iPhone. But I mean, Samsung with the new phone, I mean, this is going to damage their reputation so much that even their replacements, I mean, uh, it's, it's crazy. 
Well, I'll tell you, to a lot of people, Samsung, you know, Android is Samsung. Samsung is Android. Um, and this is going to drive a lot of people to the iPhone 7, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, Samsung have conveniently even given it the same number just in case you were confused about what else you should be buying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there hasn't been any word yet from Samsung um, after this uh, this latest fire, but um I mean, what the COO Tim Baxter said back in September, and I quote, we did not meet the standard of excellence that you expect and deserve, and that Samsung is working hard to earn back customer trust. Well, I know this story is fresh. I haven't seen it anywhere else apart from The Verge, but, well, and Mac rumors, of course, but I would expect that this would certainly be making kind of uh, headline news over the next day or so. And this well, is- I would have thought they need one or two of these to go off. One could just be a freak. I mean, let's just remind everybody um, that lithium-ion batteries are, can be explosive. We put effectively little fizzing potential bombs into our pockets every day. Each phone is the same. The fact that it's happened to this device, my understanding is that what happened is that the space allocated inside the phone for the battery, there wasn't enough space around it to allow for swelling, shall we say, which is a natural part of the process as the battery is, is heats and discharges. Um, and because of the the, 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 the the slot into which the battery goes was a bit too tight, it caused pressures inside the battery, which allowed the, you know, the anode and the cathode to connect, mm-hmm. cause a loop back and then cause a fire. Um, so, you know, certainly the problem for Samsung is it's declared these things safe. Yeah, I mean, they've gone to a lot of effort to reassure people that this new battery is completely safe. Um, and uh, that's just. But it was been... actually bought on September the twenty first. Yeah, September the twenty first was when it was bought. And he went onto the website to verify that it did not yep. would did not need to be um, recalled. According to the Verge, uh, the smartphone had a green battery icon and box that the device came in featured a black square, both of which are indicators of a replacement Note Seven. So the box and the device had the correct markings to say that it was um, a verified replacement device. According to Samsung, it shouldn't have had these problems. I I hear what you're saying about there has to be one or two before the press starts jumping on this. Um, I disagree in this. And hey, well, let's wait a week and see what happens. Um, you know, it's just a bit unfortunate. It, it's really kind of, it's really bad. The press don't need a lot to jump and create a story, so... I think they're in serious, serious, serious. They are. So I guess um, uh, it's not really a question of a tectasm or such, but will we start to see shifts away from Samsung for iPhones um, moving forward? I think for this particular case, yes, I think that's probably the obvious thing that's going to happen. There will be a reputational impact. It doubly, what happened was these, these Samsung, Galaxy, uh, Samsung Galaxy S7 and S7 Edge were big hits, especially the S7. It's a massively good phone that sold in very large numbers. And what Samsung did, because the previous version of this phone was the Note 5, mm-hmm. is that they skipped Note 6 and went straight to Note 7 because they wanted to hang on to the coattails of the success of the S7. So they wanted to tie everything to the number 7 because it had been successful. What's happened is they've now sullied the number 7 brand, um, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it will clearly, 
the Apple people must be having a party. Um, you know, they'll be the only people celebrating because, you know, it's awful when your phone catches fire. And, and apparently when, you know, these lithium-ion batteries go off, they will chemically burn your skin. I mean, it's very bad things. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the report says, um, um, and this is what what, uh, what Brian Green told The Verge, he said um, it was um, it was dropped on the floor by a, f- a flight crew after seeing thick grey green angry smoke pouring out of the device i mean i imagine that's quite a scary thing i mean imagine what it's like in your in your pocket and you know it's <laughs> that it's just crazy well uh it's certainly not uh, a typical tectasm story but very hot and fresh news uh and a sad day for samsung we'll see how that plays out over the next week um, I'm going to CNBC next for the Google unveil on Tuesday as they unveil the Pixel phone with unlimited storage and the Google Home. They were the highlight devices. Let's quickly go through these because I'm sure our listeners um, have got their Google fix from other sources. But let's go through. They unlo- unveiled a, hi- a new high-end smartphone, the Pixel, which comes in the Pixel and Pixel XL variant. Um the phone starts, I think, at 599 GB pounds, going up to 819 GB pounds. It's the first phone Google have made, which is um, designed and built by them, uh, kind of very much along the iPhone model. iPhone designs it and Foxconn builds it. In this case, Google designed it and HTC build it. Um, and it's been launched as an exclusive for Verizon in the US, very much following, I think, the Apple iPhone model of launching exclusively with AT&T so they could really control the experience from the get-go. Um, I suppose in terms of specs, it is state-of-the-art. It's got the Qualcomm 821. It comes in 32 gig or 128 gig. It's got a 12.3 megapixel rear-facing camera with big pixels. I think it's got an F f-stop of 2, uh, which isn't quite as good as the iPhone or the... Um, Samsung uh, for low light, um, but they do state that they've done independent tests on it uh, and it has been classified as the best camera you can get on a smartphone, according to the uh, slide that went up during the presentation. Do you believe it, James? Um, are these experts that were on the payroll? Or, yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. wonder how much that cost. Um, so a phone, a smartphone. Any interest from you, James? Uh, look, it's very nice that Google keep on doing it. In fact, we had delivered to the office today a Nexus 5X. Um, it's a very nice piece of kit. I'm sure the Pixel will also be a very nice piece of kit. Google need to control Android, and this is the only way they can do it. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, and it actually launches with Android version 7.1, the only phone that's going to have it, including Nexus devices, I think, until the end of the year. So there is a bit of a uniqueness there. But I mean, what's the, the point? Version. What's the point of that? I mean, from an app developer's perspective, you're not going to build an app that targets any seven point one APIs. I don't know what they are, but yeah, neither do I. It's I think they're mostly UI improvements. Um. Well, uh, interestingly enough, and as a side note, they've cancelled the five X and six P. Now you can't buy them; they're not available on the Google Store anymore. Okay, interesting. Oh, it looks like they're going doubling down, mm. as uh, the Americans say. They also launched the $129 Google Home. I'm giving you that price in dollars and not GB pounds uh, because the uh, Google Home device will not be available in the UK at launch. Uh, and I think it's in. it'll be available in on November the 4th. It'll be shipping. Uh, and this device, just to remind you, is very much like the 
Amazon Echo in that it is a device that in this case looks like some kind of air freshener or, you know, essential oil dispersing device uh, that sits in your kitchen or your living room and you talk to it and it does things. How are you getting on um, with your Echo? Uh, it's a it's a gimmick and it's starting to wear a little bit. It's it has got some interesting uses though for um um for things like alarms it's very good. Okay. Uh for um playing kind of background music is very good because the Amazon Music Library is not not very good. I don't have Spotify, so uh, my music service is Google Play Music. That's where I get all my songs. So and you it, think based on that then Google Home for you would be a better device because it, it, because I'm invested in the Google ecosystem it's likely yeah. to be better. But I think there are two two further reasons which I would give you James. Uh, one is that um I think the uh, Google Assistant, the AI behind Google Home is much better. Uh, that I think it's got better comprehension, better ontologies, better, you know, graph search. I think it can just make better sense of the questions that I ask it. And two, it's got a particularly unique feature where you can you can ask it to, uh, for example, play, as I know you love Katy Perry, play Katy Perry on the living room TV. And if you've got a, a, a Chromecast plugged into the TV or an Android TV, it will just it will play it automatically. So you can actually voice control the TV, play, pause, all that kind of stuff. That, Isn't that really interesting powerful. that um, uh, Apple have been ridiculed for a long time about creating a closed ecosystem, but almost out of nowhere, Amazon and now Google are doing exactly the same thing. I know. And Microsoft as well with their Surface line of laptops. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, you know, Apple uh, make a hell of a lot of money doing it. And somebody, some accountant has finally got hold of the dreamers at uh, in Google and uh, in Mountain View and said, let's make some cash. Yes. Well, interestingly, about a year ago, um, when Alphabet was created, uh, the mantra from head office to the subsidiaries was no blank checks anymore. You need to make money. Yes, and uh, I think you're starting to see that now from from Google because for a very long time they didn't really do much. You know, there's lots of crazy moonshot projects. Yes, um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, well, hey, that's great. I mean, I'll try Google Home when you get one. I won't get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you won't. Yeah, but interesting. There's no equivalent in the Apple ecosystem. So uh, you'll have to suffer. Um, there were a couple of other products I want to tell you about before I wrap this one up. Uh, first of all, the Daydream View headset, which is for $70, comes in slate, crimson and snow. Um, and it's a kind of, you know, it's like the next iteration of Google Cardboard. But it's got two important enhancements. One, it is made from a beautiful sort of cloth. So it's all soft and squidgy where you actually hook the phone into the front of it, you know, a VR viewer, you hook the, the phone, at, at the moment it's only the Pixel, into the front of it with a nice little sort of uh, bungee cord band. Um, and second of all, it's actually got a controller. So there's a little controller, a little hand controller that you can wave around like a wand or point or use as a fishing rod to actually interact with the 3D uh, world itself, which is kind of tucked away inside it. So actually takes it to the next level for $79. Yeah, and that's pretty good. Um, but, I mean, in reality, that it's, it's a holder for a phone. I mean, yes, it's not you've got hard to buy to see, a $900 phone to go in it. Well, exactly, yeah. So, no, hey, it's interesting. Basically, it's a Gear VR without a Samsung badge. Yeah, 
Couple, couple more things. Last two things. New version of uh, Chromecast for sixty nine dollars called the Chromecast Ultra. That'll also launch in the UK. I think at the same time, though, I don't have the price here, uh, which will support four K. Mm, who cares? And the final thing is the Google Wi Fi router. So this is a sort of white hockey puck uh, device with a sort of blue LED band round it that. Um, you buy you can buy in a three pack uh, for three hundred dollars two ninety nine or you can buy on its own a single one for one twenty nine that you replace your home router with and it gives you Wi Fi you know for all your services and everything but they showed an interesting feature that you control the thing with an app so it doesn't have any you know buttons or interface it's all done through an app. Um, and you can do things like pause the Wi-Fi at mealtime. So they showed this little use case where they were, all of this little family was sitting down to their tea and he, he just whipped his phone out and pressed pause so there was no Wi-Fi during tea so the kids had to talk to their parents, which oh, I dear. thought was great. I, I can't imagine that being used much. Um, oh, that's, okay, well, I'm glad they're doing that. Um, I know you're going to get upset by saying this, but um, Apple have had a router for ages and... It's a pretty good home router. So yeah. if Google can emulate that, then then that's great. Well, well the, the, I suppose the unique feature there is that it's an, uh, uh, um, a mesh network. So you buy them and you just distribute them around your house and they will automatically change the signal strength to give coverage uh, is the way they described it. And two, it's not available in the UK, so only in the US. But, uh, okay, I mean, the, the Apple one does that. So, okay, well, great. I think. Right. Okay, no tectasm story there, so I uh, hope I didn't dwell on that for too long by your standards, uh, James. <laughs> I'll, I've got another one here. Tesla, BBC reported, uh, nameless Tono droid, uh, reported on the 3rd of October that Tesla has seen a jump in car deliveries. Now, the firm has said it shipped 24,500 cars in the third quarter, and this is up 70% on second quarter and more than double the number delivered in the same period in 2015. Now, it has also confirmed it's 50,000 production target for the second half of 2016. Looks like they're getting into some numbers. Is that the first time they've hit their production target? Well, they've never stated one before, so oh, okay. uh, <laughs> they can't really miss it. But they've now stated a production target, so presumably they're very confident. Okay, I mean that's that's pretty good. I I mean they've they've all I think I know they've struggled with production for a while uh, now. And the question that came out when the Model Three pre-orders did so well, I think it's more than three hundred thousand pre-orders, is if they're struggling to build Model S and Model Xs, how are they going to build 300,000 Model 3s? Um, so I'm guessing they finally sorted out their manufacturing. Uh, what's really interesting about this particular article, which uh, BBC uh, nameless journal droid quite happily points out, is US electric car maker Tesla, which is yet to make a profit, has reported <laughs> a sharp rise in car yeah. deliveries. Um I mean, so is it making less, even less profit now because it's making more cars? Well, I mean, who, who, who knows? I mean, have they had to sacrifice something that hit the production target? Um, I mean, I, I had a really interesting story a, a couple of days ago that Tesla makes most of its money from green energy subsidies from the U.S. government and actually loses money on every car. I mean, that is—I don't know if that if that's true or not. But um, uh, well, I have heard a couple of you know, a few cracks are appearing in the Tesla story couple of individuals friends of friends mostly who've got tesla cars um have been very disappointed with the build quality 
Um, very disappointed with the amount they get gouged for extras. Um, you know, very much like the Mercedes model, I suppose, when you buy a Mercedes, it, you know, it's got, do you want wing mirrors on it? You know, do you want hubcaps? Um, you know, you've got to pay those extras to keep that sort of headline price looking decent. Um, and, you know, we, let's not forget it's built in America. And they, they, traditionally, America is not, um, you know, a country that is well known for its uh, high quality um, car manufacturer. So uh, anyway, we'll see. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, you know, the, the Detroit, of course, for a long time was the place to get cars. But then uh, the Japanese do them very well. The Germans do them very well. Um but Tesla has been acquiring a lot of talent in that arena. So, hey, maybe they're finally sorting themselves out. Well, I hope they do. Okay. Well, I don't know if there's a tech tasm there. I mean, let's hope they can hit their production targets because I know a few people have ordered them. But let- No, we were very skeptical on that. I think this is a tech tasm. I think they've had an unusually good run and they're making a big thing of it by announcing that they've got a production target when they probably know they're going to be able to hit it because that something has gone right for them or they're letting dodgy cars through i think there's still a tech tasm i still think they're going to struggle with the model three okay well um yeah i i i I agree but moving on uh another bbc article however dave lee is the author of this one so he's clearly risen up through the ranks to be granted stories with his own name we've Um, had one of these from before from we have we we? have well i mean america tech correspondent yeah yeah that's that's the chap um I mean, it's a it's a bit of a silly story. It's been in the news for about a week or so. Um, Snapchat are launching their own wearable device. Um, it's a pair of sunglasses um, and uh, with a built-in camera, and they're calling it Spectacles. Interesting name. Not too sure how they came up with that. And the idea being that it will record 30 seconds of video at a time. I mean, that's all it does. It just records video. Um, so um, I think this is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> but they know their audience. And just to describe the specs, I, I I think I would call them funky. And they appear to have in the sort of top corner on either side a little daisy flower, I suppose, with a with a camera in the middle of it. Um, do, does it sort of light up when it's recording? It looks like it does from the uh, picture in the top of the article. But you're right. They, they know their audience and... Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. I have to say, I'm not sold on wearable technology, wearable headsets for the consumer. I know I've been involved in wearable technology for a long time. Uh, I get the enterprise um, use case through and through, but the consumer one, oh, I don't know. It just seems. No, but really, this is a what. This does one thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's record... going to be a fad. It'll be forgotten about next week. Yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, at 130 dollars in the holiday season. It's 100 quid. You know, they're going to sell to teens in boatloads, aren't they? If they can manufacture them at volume and they work. But, uh, you know, and and presumably they'll make a profit at $130. Um, Yeah, well, there's there's not really anything. I'm assuming it's Bluetooth with a camera. I mean, the bomb cost is not going to be particularly high. So um, I think it's Bluetooth on iOS and it uses Wi-Fi on Android for some reason. Okay, that's really odd, but... Um, I'm curious to know the battery life because Wi-Fi is not forgiving. No. Okay, I could see you in a pair of these, James. Can you? Can yeah, you? the funky red ones. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a pretty cool guy, so I, I understand why you'd say that. 
I well exactly you know I could see you down the club you know with your old uh, ultraviolet face paint on I mean that is what I do on a regular basis so and most nights yeah sure absolutely I mean I would be there tonight but clearly tectasm is much more important so, I okay I don't think this is a tectasm what's do you think no, I don't think it's a tectasm because I don't understand young people enough to know if they'll actually buy it I think it's ridiculous but I'm not the target market so I think just to keep it safe it's not a tectasm but uh, yeah who knows oh my goodness that's all we've got time for this week James now listeners you can find us uh, at facebook.com slash techtasm you can subscribe on iTunes Stitcher Feedburner uh, in fact, if you've got any podcasting app, just stick Tectasm in and you'll probably find us. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've already found us. So I don't know why I keep saying that every week. Um, and remember, if you do like what you've heard, heard, give us some stars, give us some love and some feedback. Uh, we appreciate it. Now, as I say every week, we record on Tuesday at 2100 BST, which is why we're recording on Wednesday this week. That was my... Uh, I did that uh, so we could cover the uh, Google event on Tuesday. Uh, so <laughs> this is me, Sir Robin Yellow. Me, James Woodall. Asking the question on your behalf, is it real or is it just a tech test?